When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukaki, your host. The Thiefies are underway, and Butthole's latest persona is battling in the first night's main event. But will the Forsaken be able to best his current opponent? Will our heroes find a way to recover their soul stones? Is anyone even making a plan to steal the Thiefy? Find out next on Dum-Dums and Dragons. Um, <laughs> so uh, by this point, Quiddy, I think you've just walked in right as Let the Body Say the Floor Begins. <laughs> you make your way in, um, sort of, uh, you're going to go up into the bleachers and watch, or what's, uh, what's uh, going yeah. on? Bryn, I think you're still getting Kalos and Three Leaf into kind of safer quarters, so you won't be at the fight. Great. So, top of the round, Bobbert. Great. That's just Ryan. Bobbert screaming in existential agony. Why won't she love me? He yells. He's basically so edgelordy. Just gonna keep coming at this guy. So, having done the, the chain hit, he's actually gonna bring the shield back, because this has been like the fastest he's ever fought, ever. So, he's bringing it back around to try to crack him across the face again with the shield, while bringing the sword up to try to stab through the breastplate. Mm -hmm. And then when the shield is down, he's basically going to try to wrap it around the guy's leg and just sever it with the chain shield if he can. Okay. Oh, that's not great. We're going to let that one play out. I think that's yeah. more interesting than anything else. Nat one. Oh, I'm, okay, I'm using inspiration on that one. <laughs> so a nat one on the first strike. The next one is like a 10, so who gives a shit? Uh, and then a 19 with the shield wrap around the leg. As you kind of swing by with the shield, he pulls you and you suddenly fall off balance. And you feel a knife slip up under your helmet and into your throat. Ah. And as you're pulled in that close, he says, your brother says hello. And then you hit him for your damage. So take 14 points of damage. I actually savor the damage. Uh, it's like <laughs> a fine wine. And in that moment, I say, I'm brother to no man except agony. Uh, and then I wrap the chain around his leg with the chain shield and cut in and do... 18 damage. All right. You don't manage to sever the leg uh, because you missed your other two strikes, but you do hear like a sickening pop and it feels like you may have popped the bone out of its socket. His round, he starts in your cloud of agony. You will fail partially because his leg is shattered. So he takes eight damage from the spikes on my armor. Shouldn't have got so close, I say, <laughs> as I headbutt him with the helmet, catching him on the spikes on the top. He's going to try and attack you as he falls. So three attacks, two will hit. 18 points of damage, but he's now on one knee because you've fucked up his leg. Your turn. Now that I've been hurt, I'm using that to like fuel my blows. And I'm basically coming in and smashing down at him at like almost an inhuman speed. It's that classic end of the Darth Vader fight in Return of the Jedi where he's just blocking it. And, and, and instead of even trying nuts. to go around the shield, I'm just determined to beat it through his body. Mm. So it's just sword strike, sword strike, and then I bring up the chain shield, and I've been, like, spinning it in the other hand during the two, and yeah. I bring it around for, like, a big slam on top. Nat 20 oh, for the dear. first sword strike. Jeez. 
I am going to do another howl of agony where I reveal an embarrassing secret about myself, which is like, I had a sexual dream about my mother once. Uh, and then that's the second sword strike, which will be a 22. And then the spinning shield goes up and around and it will be an 18 to hit. All three hit. Great. Uh, <laughs> 10 damage for the first sword strike, then five and... The shield spin does 19 damage. 34 total. So you're just slamming away on him. It's impossible to know when he actually died. (laughs) (laughs) But the blows don't stop for another good three minutes. As the crowd just sits in abject horror. And you hear someone cry for the audience like, stop it, stop it. He's already dead. Hearing that, but still not, I stand up. And for my final strike, I heave one leg up and I stomp down and crush his skull, and I just look to the sky and I yell, Come for me, you cowards! And then I fall to one knee, breathing really heavy, and then, like, Death Wolf and Anin can come out because the fight's over. So Anin comes in and, like, lifts your arm in kind of like a victory pose, and you're just, like, weeping, and she's just like, Ah! (laughs) Um, The clerics come up and kind of look at his mashed skull, look at each other, look up at the booth, and Chaz is counting his money and just kind of shrugs and is like, "Mm." So they just (laughs) take the feet and just slowly drag Javert out of the arena. Um, oh my God. Leaving a trail of uh, blood and brains. And I way. yell while still crying, no one revivify someone who faces the forsaken. The gods cannot have you back. There you have it, folks. Right, <laughs> says standing up. The gods cannot have him back. Well, I gotta say, I have not seen a fight like that in anything but my nightmares in quite some time. I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm ready to drink till I forget that. So, the bar is open. Remember, tonight is the first night. Drink Troll Smasher! (laughs) You heard the man. Shilling for a drink. (laughs) And uh, we will uh, pick things up tomorrow with the trade show. So, you know, get get that gold ready. Yep, a man just died. All right, good night, folks. Tom, I would like to burn a point of stress because I didn't say this, but I'm imagining we would have done this. Annan and I definitely would have bet a solid 80% of our entire income leading up to this fight on me winning this fight. I mean, I would have argued for 100, and I think Annan would have been like 80. 80. Like, yeah. I'm sure, but not that sure. Because I also realized as we were doing that, that everyone else left to do a side mission and no one bet on the fight. I'll burn stress for that, too. I'll yep. Everyone burn a stress? Yes. I'm pretty sure I had no gold left. No. After you, I lost everything. Yeah, you were spent out. <laughs> yeah. So Annan throws your robe over your shoulders and is escorting you out, but like kind of quickly, like, okay, that was a horrifying spec tool. We got to get you out of here. She takes you back into the room downstairs. She's like, so that was um, efficient. Still tears running down my face, like full edgelord. I can't decide whether to hug her or not. So I just like hold one arm up in the air towards her to give her the choice. (laughs) She looks at you and she's in full business mode. So she reaches into her suit jacket. She pulls out an all-black handkerchief that says The Forsaken. She puts it in your hand. She says, Victors don't cry. And then she turns and walks out. At this point, I lunge away from the bench I'm sitting on. I'm imagining this is a locker room. It is, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, uh, and I'm just going full Kylo Ren on that bank of computers where I'm just punching the (laughs) shit out of all of these lockers. Like, just full body swinging around, just beating the shit out of everything in this room until I'm exhausted. And then I just turn around and I'm like, Sometimes life's not worth living. I say to Goblin Jr. Yeah. And he's like, snarf. (laughs) And then I hug him and I take a minute. He hugs back. (laughs) He licks the tears off your cheeks. Ah, man, I like this wolf. Uh, (laughs) All right, let's go win a stupid trophy. Uh, And he and I go off to the stupid land with a stupid goal. So the rest of you, um, (laughs) you're in the arena still. Bryn, you're up in the apartment. 
Yes. Alan Riker says, well, Alan, I'll put you in touch with uh, our conjurers tomorrow. This evening, enjoy the spectacle. Be careful around that friend of yours. He's a monster. I don't really quite know how to respond yep. because an hour ago I would have said, no, he's not. And uh, he might be. So, okay. Uh, so <laughs> Good um, advice, Dad. Riker warmly uh, greets the planteer siblings and says, show me some of your destructive magic while uh, we drink ourselves blind. Come on. They head out. Reginald seems to kind of consider the fight for a moment in silence. And then he turns and leaves as well. Chaz is over the moon. He's made so much money. But he's already kind of instructing people how to smooth things over with the Fighters Guild because a friendly competition turned into a, uh, yeah. a slaughter. Friendly competition. <laughs> um, Stomps ahead. No god can bring him back. They're like, uh, free drinks? <laughs> <laughs> and how about you, Quinny? What are you doing? Uh, I'm cashing in my winnings. What, what were the odds there? What, what's the multiplier on? All of you did uh, spectacularly well off the fight. You've each earned 1,000 gold from your betting. Thanks um, to the surprise investment from Quinny on my behalf. Bobbert, uh, I'm going to give you an extra 500 based on your T-shirt investment. <laughs> nice. So um, you all reconvene back in the hotel room. It's pretty late. Bryn has brought Kalos up. He's kind of surprised to see Quinny, but understands that he owes Bryn pretty big. Mm-hmm. And to your shock, Three Leaf is in one of the beds, like barely breathing and has been just beaten to a bloody pulp. Not my bed, though. Yes. Yes, in your bed. Can I cast Cure Wounds on Three Leaf? Yep. Can you remind me what it is? 1d8 plus spellcasting modifier is the healing. Then it's 10. He looks like he's back from the verge of death. He's still fucked up, but he's no longer like... Death rattling? Yeah, we'll see if he's alive in the morning. Because he didn't didn't deserve that. (laughs) His only crime ever in any of these games has been caring too much. <laughs> I imagine they catch Bryn up pretty quickly. I catch them up on the layout of the security room and the dreaming pool, which we might have to use at some point. Okay. My brother knows I'm here and he paid the guy in the ring to kill me. So much for that secret identity. Well, at least we don't have to hear the voice anymore. But I need to keep it up for public appearances. Oh, brother. Because someone came and said hello to me today before the fight. Merle Streep. Really? And how did that go? Well, she brought me a beer. I didn't know who she was. Went as well as one could expect. Queen have, you, have you heard from her since the fight? Well, I just came here and I think I've terrified everyone, including myself. So, no. Hear an elevator ding and and, and is staying there. She switched back into her hotel garb because she's technically still on the job. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Uh, sorry to interrupt. Uh, champion. <laughs> I have a note here for you from Miss Streep, as well as these. And it's a bouquet of flowers, arrows, and daggers with her regards. And she leaves it on the table for you. She also brought up some new sheets and towels based on Bryn calling down to be like, listen, corpses. Uh, So uh, she leaves those and a bottle of celebratory wine and she leaves. I pour myself a glass of wine and I pour out three more glasses, pass them around and say to the first night of the heist. I smash my glass on the floor and go to my room. I cheers, Quinny. (laughs) Cheers. And I drink, and I'm going to go check on Butthole. I'm going to come with you, Quinny. He's not okay. I drop my glass and then pat Larry on the head as he is cleaning up the glass because he he was waiting in the wings once he heard. He says thank you, and then he goes back to like the makeshift tent he set up because he just realizes it's easier for him to not leave. Yeah. Yeah, I break my glass on the ground too. He sweeps it up dutifully, not looking in your eyes. Yeah, I don't look at him either. (laughs) He's treated like a Roomba. (laughs) I just throw him a gold coin without smashing anything for the trouble. He says, oh, wow, thank you. And then he feels kind of guilty because he feels like for that payment, he should clean something up. So he grabs a glass and breaks it. <laughs> and then he sweeps so it up. Not, and he not, like winks to you and he's uh, like, thank you. 
Then he skips off to the elevator. Inside, I'm reading the letter from Merle. It is very saucy. She uh, quite enjoyed your display, and I would like to get to know you better, and has invited you to be her guest, uh, since she's sort of the, the guest of honor, on an aerial lunch date tomorrow aboard her private airship. I'm feeling pretty lonely. So I'm going to agree to go on this lunch date. Great. I don't think I'll be very fun, but I'm going to go. (laughs) You've uh, just finished reading the letter when Alan and Quinny walk in. Hey, Bobbert. Hello. Sorry, I don't really know how to speak in this emotional state. (laughs) That's okay. I'm just going to sit down over here and I I, I sit down like right beside you. I sit kind of cross-legged on the floor. I just look at Alan and I'm like, you can float if you want. (laughs) Yeah, you should float. That'd be cool. I try. You go up on your toes and you kind of look around expectantly and then you kind of very shamefully go back down off your toes. Not quite getting it yet. <laughs> hey, do you want to talk about the fight at all? No. No? I won. Life goes on. Do you want to talk about anything? No, I feel like I said what I had to say on the field when I screamed, not even your gods can give him back. So you got it all out of your system? Oh, no. That's a deathless well. I mean, you're an atheist, right? Like, imagine, because you don't really believe the gods affect things. Imagine a god demonstrably affected things and then left you out to dry when all you've done was dedicate your life to it. Mm-hmm. And all you have left is essentially nothing, no purpose, and the only thing you're good at is hurting people. I probably think of myself at least to still have my friends. Yep. Didn't kill you. Didn't say you wanted to. Good. <laughs> but we are a resource here for you, Robert. And you can you can lean on us if you need to. Find Moonhammer. Find Moonhammer? She's a goddess. They show up and stuff. Find her. I gotta have a talk. And then either we're still friends because there's something going on, or I kill her. And I am fine either way. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll try. Yeah. We'll do our best. Good. Look, I'll keep that in mind, okay? Um, I'm just going to stay here with you until you're ready to call it a night, okay? You're, you're going to let Three Leaf have your bed? Sure. All right, then. I'll take you up on that offer to bunk here. Alan, you can stay here or not, but we're going to take a nap. And I just scoop Quinny up in like a no, little no, hug. Stop. I didn't and I lay this. down and he's a little this. spoon. And I'm careful so that like the spikes don't hurt him, even though I'm sleeping in my this armor. But basically, you, but I this just, is uncomfortable. I, I trap him so he can't leave. And simultaneously, I fall immediately asleep. And am crying. Oh. So it's like every breath Why is like wet? quiet is whimpering that? in tears that are like wetting the top of his head. Uh, and he can't what? move. Alan, what is happening? Alan, I, help. I, I Alan, just, please. I kind of... Alan, I can't see you from this angle. Are you here? Okay. And I just, <laughs> whisper, I just whisper, I'm like, Quinny, I think he needs this. Alan, please. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Alan gently uh, closes and, the door. And, I, and I, use, I use prestidigitation to dry Quinny so at least he's not soaking <laughs> wet from the tears. And I don't want to leave my friends alone, so I take out a bedroll and just roll it out on the floor beside them. Meanwhile, I'm outside the door hoping she'll come out and have a chat with me. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's a long night for all involved. And Quinny, you finally fall asleep looking at the tiny scrap of paper in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Everyone has a bit of a rough night. Bryn, I think you actually uh, eventually fall asleep against the wall outside. Yeah. Oh, my God. And are actually, like, appalled when you wake up that you let this happen. I don't do this. Yeah, this isn't you. <laughs> you wake up when Goblin Jr. leaves the room, so he's the, like, the door opens, and he steps out, and you're there, and he's just like, oh. snarf, uh, <laughs> snarf, 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 and he just kisses you right on the top of the head like a, like a parent would. And then he like gestures to your room and then he goes back into our room and just closes the door so no one will know. Yeah, and I get I get back up and go into my room until the rest of the party arises. Not too long after that, uh, everyone kind of eases awake. The second day, high noon, is the lighter day of the Thiefies. This is kind of the orgy of capitalism day. The trade floor will be open all day and it will be selling a variety of magic items. There's now a really popular Forsaken stand in there and it kicked some other people out. 
and like took over their booths. And so now it's like a full meet the man, meet the legend, meet the monster kind of setup. And she's informed you you'll be signing things for an hour later in the day, but you're still clear to go on your lunch date with Merle. Great. I'm excited. It seems like Bobbert has the ability to just sort of forget how fucked up he is for a while, where he's just like, you see him do something horrifying and he's a complete train wreck. And then he wakes up the next day and like, he doesn't really remember it. It's probably just repressed, but he's (laughs) pretending that it's like the same as on the boat. Everything's fine. I'm super fun. So he's just like excited to make money. (laughs) Like, You guys thought you were great thieves, but look who's raking in the dough. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like to leave some of your money with us in case we go to the auction? I feel like I can go to the auction, too. Yeah, the auction will uh, be happening uh, later later in the uh, the evening. I just thought thought Merle had claimed a day. She claimed the afternoon, but I I want to go to the auction for sure. My brother is here and apparently really rearing to go on this auction. uh, And he tried to have me killed in the arena last night. So fuck him and whatever he wants. I want to take it. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm already there. Oh, sick. Okay, good. Yeah, then I'm on board for the thieves. Everybody's got a, everybody's got a nice goal. Al- Alan, how are you doing on the, the dad front? Yeah, how was uh, watching the fight? It's strange. Now that I've met him, I don't know what to do. I had an idea of who he would be, and he's just not that. And I look over to the bar where I'm imagining Bryn is standing, like, trying to look cool, but also <laughs> sort of biting her lip but a little bit pissed off. And I'm just like... <laughs> Quinny and I are friends, and Alan and I are family. And I think that's a great line to draw. So that means I think you and I are family. So how you doing, sis? How do you feel about the sis? How do you feel about our dad? I think that's a little too far for you to go. Well, that's fine. I mean, I'm a quick traveler. What? Let's go downstairs, Bobbert. I want to know about her feelings. She seems nice. She can talk to Alan, and if Alan feels it's appropriate, she will talk to us. Oh, you're like her manager. Like like I have Annan for like the Forsaken. Whatever so Alan, you got to do to wrap your yeah. head around this very sure. simple concept. All right, Alan, you sure. should figure out what cut you're going to get of Bryn's action, and we're going to go, okay, bye. <laughs> uh, and then I pick up Quinny, and I hold I him in front of me with both hands, stop, like where can, he cuddled at can, night, I, and we go downstairs. I can, I, and then the elevator door is closed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is weird because mm-hmm. up until a couple days ago, I didn't even know you existed. Do you have any questions for me? I'm guessing you've been with dad your whole life? I have. Who is your mom? She was an elf in one of the many towns that he was breezing through. And Did he love her? He doesn't talk about her. I'm just trying to get a sense of who dad is. Well, he clearly has a type. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about you? I mean, what have you been doing? What, like, what? Um, I, <laughs> just, this is really, this is really weird. Yeah. I've just been doing the thief life from childhood. I've just been, uh, was being built up to be the heir until recently and something well, changed and I'm not sure what happened. That change have anything to do with me? It was about the time we started tracking you. Yes. Well, if that's an issue, like I don't, I don't need any inheritance. Well, that's great. <laughs> um, I don't blame you. I just don't understand you. I don't know that there's much to understand. Just curious. Um, tell me about this, uh, this magic stuff. There's always just something about me. Just Has- seemed to make sense. And then I studied and I learned and I controlled it. Controlled it. Can you do anything <laughs> extra? Because, I mean, we have magic users and I have no idea why he's so interested in you. I went to someone else's mind once. Um, what? That was kind of weird. Alan, you can feel sort of a pulsing in your book bag. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You understand that that's not normal? Larry shows up preemptively (laughs) and is just kind of standing in the elevator holding a dustpan and a broom. Uh, Can I tell you something and just don't 
Don't tell anyone. Sure. I found this book and it belonged to this really old wizard. And kind of ever since I started reading it, that's when things started to get a little out of hand. What's the name of the book? The Book of Bow Gentle. Okay. And I take it out of my bag and set it down on the table. Can I read the book? It's got a very ornate cover. It uh, definitely looks very old. Mm-hmm. You open it up and the pages seem blank. Mm-hmm. But you can see Alan standing by and it looks like her eyes are tracking the pages as though there's stuff written there. Um, I don't know that this is the book you think it is. What do you mean? Bo Gentle's book. Uh, I stole it and it's in dad's vault right now. Maybe he had two books. This episode is sponsored by Shopify. When we started podcasting, an online store was the furthest thing from our collective mind. But now we sell t-shirts and hoodies and water bottles and a ton of amazing products, all because we use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It is 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Honestly, we tried to do merchandise for years, either to make things that were high quality, to make things that we could ship easily, to make things shippable in multiple markets. We just could not find that answer until we found Shopify. Once we got set up with them, it has been a breeze. Money transfers, no problem. Payments converted, it makes it so easy. I don't have to do anything manual. None of our team does to be able to provide high, high quality merch. Shopify gave us the control to be able to make our business even more successful and it can do that for you because Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify, and yours should too. So sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums, D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B-S now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's the way you get to hear this. Oh, friend, Misa Farthol here to tell you about exciting Patreon. You know, only for $25 a month, you can send your own friend into Dum Dum's land. That's right. I call from hell to tell you you can help your friend. Want butthole not die? Oh, praise butthole. You for $25. Pick NPC. Design. Send into Dum Dum's and Dragons. Save butthole life. He need it. Otherwise he die. What about King Quimby? He need friend too. $25. Send friend to King Quimby. $25 a month and you get thank you from God. That's right, come down from best God ever. Say thank you at the end of every episode. You just have to go to patreon.com slash dice. That's right, a D-U-M-B, funny word, D-U-M-B, funny word, D-I-C-E, useful thing. Send friends to save my friends, please. Also, you get ad-free feed or something. 
Smash cut to bottom of the elevator shaft. Put me down. Put me down. Put me down. <laughs> Listen, Put me down. we need to talk Put me down. about the, Put me down. I'm worried about the negotiations. Put me down. Because, like, Put me I'm down. worried Bryn's going to give butthole. Alan... I'm calling you butthole. ...more than 15%. Bummer. I squeeze the forsaken. him tighter. Uh, forsaken! Forsaken! Put me down. Put me down. Put me down. Him down. Now... <laughs> Listen, I heard a lot of squeaking. I'm worried you weren't listening. I'm super worried <laughs> that Bryn is going to give Alan more than 15%, and I think that's really unfair for a management contract. You know what? I'll talk to her manager to manager. That's great. Who are you managing? Alan, right? That's what you think? No, no, no. Alan's managing Bryn. Right. Okay. Sorry. I. That's why they're negotiating upstairs. That's why we left. I'll, I'll do the thing you think should be done. <laughs> Honestly, that's really thoughtful of you. Yeah, no problem. Thank great. you. I'll follow up with you about this later. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm going to the breakfast buffet. Ooh, let's get Brock. You show up at the Dwarven bartender kind of gives you a wink and like follows you across the room to give you some mead. She says in Dwarven, good morning, champion. And I say back, thank you. How's your morning going? People getting drunk, and she has to go back to dropping off drinks and mimosas. I miss her already. Queenie, it's a pretty good breakfast buffet. Mm, filling up my, my halfling appetite, you know? Going back to that scrambled egg tray like three or four times. Yeah, I'm going to like circle the place just saying hi to people like I'm a huge celebrity and just remind them that I have a signing later. And you can see that Annan's already been working. All the coffee sleeves have like the Forsaken branding on them now and live signing today. I'm assuming it's the morning of the second day. Yep. People are probably arriving now. Yep, lots of new people arriving. And doing that soul stone thing. Yep. I just want to get a second look at that process and see how that works. Yep, it's the same sort of ritual. Someone will produce an empty stone, you mm -hmm. breathe into it. They place it in Iraq. Uh, what you're noticing is that they're always placed in the same position. Same so position. you suspect that the rack that you saw isn't corporeally there, that it's more for show to be like, look, we have all these things. But that likely there's a transport location okay. that is uh, whipping them away. All right. Thanks. Yep. No worries. I've just got Robert. like a, a cool lunch. And I mean, she sent me daggers and flowers. And I'm like, okay, I got to do something appropriate. I want to make a new friend. And I, I also want to be like fiscally responsible. So I go to the Forsaken booth, uh, and I look around, and there's some T-shirts and some pens. And she, I don't know, she doesn't really seem like a T-shirt person. She's pretty classy. So I get, like, a fountain pen that says the Forsaken on it. And then I, I get, like, a bandana that says the Forsaken because I'm, like, tie it on your arm, tie it on your head. Like, there's a lot of options to accessorize. Uh, and I get a necklace that says the Forsaken that's, that's like, pewtered. Like, it's not it's too expensive. I don't want to try to bribe somebody. That seems creepy. Uh, and then I'm almost done, and I've, I've done a good job on the classiness of it, and then I realize I don't have wrapping. So I take one of the T-shirts that has her and I on it, but, like, they've done, like, artistic renderings for, like, the following day since I've won. Everybody's, like, fine with lying about who's endorsed me. So I, I guess Annan maybe talked to her, and there's a deal. So it's, like, her and I, like, shaking hands, and it's, like, the people's champions. Uh, and I use that as wrapping paper, so I basically make, like, a high-end bindle. <laughs> oh, wow. I use like a forsaken walking cane that's made out of gold or something. And you know, you know how to make a good bindle now after Tornado Town Terrence taught you. So, and I know how to balance the bindle itself. Like, I got a lot of expert skills out of this. So, I'm super excited to bring that to the lunch. And I'm going to bring Death Wolf. There's something I forgot to tell Butthole if I can spend a stress. Yeah, do it up. That Merle thinks it's really hilarious when her second in command gets punched in the face. So, if you want to endear yourself, that's a that's a way to do it. Honestly, like what a gift. I'm so on board with Bryn. <laughs> like Bryn, Bryn is in. That's gonna be my catchphrase for her whenever it comes to the rest of this adventure. Hashtag Bryn is in. Speaking of Bryn, cut back to the apartment. Do you mind if I borrow this for a little bit? I'm a little bit nervous about it leaving my sight. It's not that I don't trust you, it's just I still don't know you very well and So that means you don't trust me. Not yet, but it's nothing against you. I just need to figure out what this is. 
Why don't we go together? I think that might complicate things if you're there as well. There's just some hard questions I need to ask. Is there a way that I can go with you without being seen? Do you have a way of not being seen? In my head, I'm just chanting, turn into Larry. (laughs) Turn into Larry. (laughs) If I can use a point of stress to prepare a different spell, spell, I could prepare alter self. I'll give you that for two points of stress. Okay. How about you turn into uh, Larry over here? He usually follows me around to clean up the glass. Does that mean I get to be Alan? No, Larry. You just have to stay here. Oh, that's okay. (laughs) I like being me just fine. Great. Sweet, but it's sweet, sweet. And if we're not here, there's no class. So you can, you know, call your lady friend, (gasps) use the room. Go on. (laughs) She points to Quinny's room. (laughs) (laughs) You can use that room. Cool. Well, it lasts an hour. I think we can manage that. He's probably still having brunch in his room. Great. Brendan Allen, you are headed to Riker's Quarters. I really hope we give him an island one day, because I just want to go to Riker's (laughs) Island. (laughs) Uh, With Allen in disguise as Larry. Quinny and Bobbert. Bobbert, you've got your lunch date. Quinny, what are you going to get up to today? Um, That's a good question. Shit. I don't... I honestly don't know. Metagame-wise, like, what do you guys think Quinny could be doing? Yeah. The, the question is, what does Quinny value more, the Soul Stones or the Thiefy? I think they go hand in hand, because if we take the Thiefy, we cannot... I know, but if he had to choose one, what would be his primary thing? The Soul Stone. Then that's probably the thing you'd chase. Quinny, I think what I'm going to suggest is, having seen lots of people coming in and out, mm-hmm. while Brynn and Allen are away on their task, you might work with Kalos in an uneasy alliance to figure out if there's a way to swap some soul stones of people coming in and out. Yeah, then that's what I'll do is I'll sort of case the entrance with Kalos and see if so we can So can you give up. me a preparation check with stealth? 29. It's obviously a very security-heavy feature. Mm-hmm. However, you can see that it's done enough that there might be some cracks for fuckery. Right. I think what you ultimately come to the conclusion of is if you and Kalos were able to either infiltrate or trail a group coming in off an airship, mm-hmm. there's likely another Soul Stone operation right, right. up top. Of course. Uh, and that might have different vulnerabilities than the one down here. Okay. We are going to cut to Bobbert heading up for your date. Friend meeting. I'm just, I'm just going friend for meeting. a lunch. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, your friend <laughs> meeting. You've taken the elevator up to the top floor uh, as directed. There's like rose petals, but like amongst them are also daggers and arrowheads and various things like that. They lead to a ramp up to a very ornate airship. I just look at the path and I'm like, what a mess. Uh, And then I just walk past it as though a collection of things have just been dropped while she was carrying them around the apartment. You can't see this, but from on board the ship, she's like, fuck, that's so cool. Um, (laughs) So uh, you arrive at the bottom of the airship and you're sort of greeted by um, a steward. Oh, uh, hello. Uh, So you must be the Forsaken? Yes, I am. Hello, Mr. Forsaken. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. This is my wolf, Death Wolf. Hello, Mr. Death Wolf. Uh, Well, it's a pleasure uh, to have both of you aboard. Let me just show you up, and Miss Streep is waiting. Great, I brought presents. He takes you aboard. You get the sense that he's one of the Mirage staff, so like he brings you aboard. And you're greeted by Merle Streep's secretary, Emily, who informs you in kind of like a ex- slightly exhausted British way that Merle's just finishing getting ready. But uh, she shows you down to the prow of the airship. It's a very open airship, and it's like straight up out of The Bachelor. There's just beautiful tables set up. There's a couple of candles with little covers over them so that they won't get blown out by the air. Even like a little dog bed for Death Wolf. I'm just like, well, yes, um, you just take a seat and uh, she'll be along momentarily. Well, thank you. And I pull out a chair at the table and I let Goblin Jr. sit in it. 
And then I just go sit on the dog bed. It looks really comfy. She rolls her eyes as only a secretary named Emily could do. Thanks, Emily. And she returns to the desk where she was writing. <laughs> she is six feet from me, <laughs> watching me from a desk. <laughs> uh, and then within moments, sort of a door opens at uh, the cabin at the back of the airship. And Merle Streep steps out. She, this time, is no longer wearing the cloaking mask at all. She is the most beautiful orc you have ever seen. You've seen some pretty beautiful orcs in your day. Miles, what's her favorite Meryl Streep outfit? I mean, anything she wears and don't wear is Prada, but what? I was going to say, fingers crossed, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia, Mamma Mia. <laughs> the <laughs> No, go with, the, go with your instinct. Oh. Sexy white pantsuit. So she comes out, she's wearing an amazing all-white pantsuit, and her hair looks great. It's just like, it's majestic, and it blows in the breeze, and she hits you with just an absolutely dazzling smile. You think she would be good in comedies, dramas, and musicals. I stand up. I say, hello, it's good to see you. I brought Death Wolf. And I point to Goblin Jr. She says, I love dogs. Thank you so much for joining me, the Forsaken. And she uh, comes over and she kind of like notices what's going on. So she snaps and Emily immediately like bolts up from her chair and like desperately looks around for another dog bed. And eventually just takes off her own coat, makes it into a dog bed. And then Merle sits on that one. Great. I brought you a bindle. Uh, (laughs) And I take my cool bindle with merchandise. And I'm like, thanks. I appreciated the... Roses and daggers and arrows. They smelled great, and I'm sure I could commit so many homicides with them. She looks flushed. You're saying all the right things. And she opens the bindle. She looks at everything. She's like, it's so amazing that you knew that I love Forsaken merch. Well, I mean, if you love me, you love the merch. She's like, I've already got a tattoo of your logo. Perhaps you won't see it till later. And she kind of like winks coyly. Well, that seems a bit rash, but do you know what? I like people who commit to a friendship early. Smash cut to um, <laughs> Bryn and Alan. You arrive in Riker's office, and he seems to be uh, just finishing brunch. So you walk in, and he's like, oh, Bryn, if it isn't one of my favorite daughters. It's like, and Larry, we've been expecting you for hours. We broke so much glass last night. And he kind of gestures to the disheveled bedroom. I go to the bedroom and start cleaning up. As you start I to, am... there's an elf who's like hastily dressing, who kind of like runs out giggling. <sighs> I don't know if I'm liking my dad so much. Great. So you start Anyways, cleaning I start glass. cleaning, but I'm like, I'm keeping a very careful eye and ear on what's going on. Okay. Bryn, what can I do for you? How did the meeting I wasn't allowed to be at with Alan go last night? Oh, great. Well, I, I got your note that uh, she didn't know as much as we'd expected. So I just wanted to uh, bring her up to speed. So why couldn't I be there? There are things that uh, a father has to say to a daughter he hasn't seen her whole life that uh, are sometimes best kept private. We've been chatting. She seems to believe that she has Bow Gentle's Bojangles book. Well, no, she clearly doesn't. Why does she believe that? I don't know why she thinks that, but does that have anything to do with why you wanted me to bring her here? Can you roll me a perception check? 23 total. You've always had a hard time reading your dad, but he definitely seems cagey. No, of course not. Really? You're going to lie to me right now? Look, Alan is my flesh and blood. She's your flesh and blood. And, you know, I had hoped that you'd be as excited to uh, get a chance to know her and be a part of her life as I am. I am, but not if she's dangerous. How many people have you killed, Bryn? We're all dangerous. What have you done to her? I haven't done anything to her. Roll perception. Eight total. Doesn't seem like he's done anything to her. Bryn, I honestly don't have time for accusations and paranoia right now. And also, shouldn't you be preparing for viewership of the Thiefies since you've failed to obtain one again this year? That's because you sent me away. You know, lots of people have been away and still won the Thiefie. But until you have an award in your hand, I don't really need to explain myself to you. have been no sounds of cleaning glass pretty much since you started talking. (laughs) 
So why give me the knife then? The man you've been traveling with, formerly uh, Butthole Farch, now I suppose the Forsaken, seems like a dangerous fellow. I don't really particularly trust these people. I don't particularly care about these people. I care about you. I care about your sister. Can you show me the book in the vault, please? He brings out a almost a compass or a compact. It's kind of like Beauty and the Beast. Like, show me the beast. Show me the beast. <laughs> um, he turns it around and he shows you the forbidden library he's got. Bo Gentle's book, at least as you understand it, is on the shelf. It looks exactly the same as the one Alan has. In the silence, I realize that there is silence and I should be cleaning up the glass. And so I start just trying to get it all done in like five seconds. That'll be all, Bryn. I do have a thiefies to run. Have fun, Dad. Thanks, Bryn. You too. That, that'll be all for now, Larry. We'll probably have some more for you later. And I just bound, run out. Do you want me a perception check? Sure. 19. As you go, you see on his side table, there seem to be sort of a stack of letters and correspondence. It looks like it's from most of the contestants and VIPs who have arrived. And you can just kind of half see an unseen hand sigil. You can half see a plantier sigil. Uh, unfortunately, you're running too fast to, uh, to stop and grab them. So you come back out into the hall and he says, uh, and how's your day been, Larry? Fine, sir. Much glass to clean up. How's your lady friend? She's good. That's good. We're all good. Okay. For your trouble. And he flicks you a coin. Thank you, sir. And I bow. Can Get you roll the me a deception check? out of there. <laughs> 16. Just as you reach the elevator, he says, Alan, next time, observe your targets a bit better before impersonating them. He refuses to take tips unless he's cleaned something immediately. Goodbye. The door dings and the elevator goes down. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the sky, the first course has arrived. It's, you know, it's a tasty looking seafood dish. It looks very nice. Merle is eating it with come hither eyes. I assume you're telling your life story. What are you doing? I've feel like I've fucked up enough friendships that I'm like, I should, I should probably be like the cold distant type because I'm also like, what would the Forsaken do? So she's been like cagey and flirty, but I haven't understand that it's flirting. I just think she's bad at telling a story. So I'm like trying to help her. Mm. So I end up volunteering some of my history, but I got to be distant because I don't want her to know that I'm Bobbert Tingler. A lot of what you're getting from her story, because she does start to open up. She's telling you some of her greatest exploits. Thieves love to brag. She's uh, particularly fond of how often she's fucked over this subpar thief she knows who uh, really thinks she's hot shit because her, you know, her dad's connected. And Merle has no time for that. It's all, all talent for Merle or, or nothing. I agree. I dislike people who coast on their parents. Yeah. Parents are murderous assholes. Sometimes. She says kind of uh, now that she's had a couple of drinks, she kind of leans in. She's like, you know, between you and me. I got a little bit of help on the last one. Ah, interesting. Betrayal. The finest of wines. Yes. And she holds up the bottle that says betrayal. And she's like, it is. More. And she pours oh, some. Yes, thank you. Uh, and for you, Death Wolf. Uh, and I pour him some wine out of the bottle as well. Merle snaps her fingers and she's like, Emily, I told you to keep the wolf in wine. And Emily's like, I'm, I'm trying to do paperwork. She's like, I don't want excuses, Emily. I'm so sorry. She's new. It's all right. You Five know, years employed, you know. She's an Emily. <laughs> There's only so much you can expect. Um, so, <laughs> as going out guns blazing against Emily's. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it. What people don't know is that in aristocratic Neverwinter families, everyone's personal assistant is named Emily, Emily if they're female. If they're a gnome butler, they get their own name, but it's always embarrassing. But <laughs> if it's a female human assistant, always named Emily, Emily. it's as much the job title. Jeez. So um, the date is, is proceeding nicely, and eventually Merle snaps her fingers, and Emily, with kind of a sigh, grabs as much paperwork as she can take and vacates, leaving you both alone on the, the deck with Death Wolf, of course. Ah, you've fired her. Oh, no, just uh, sent her out of our way. Oh, that's good of you. So, are we going to fight something? In a manner of speaking. Oh, excellent. She sort of, like, crawls over to you and whispers her intentions in your ear. 
Listen, A, flattered, B, intrigued, but I, in the daytime, I'm the forsaken. I must be surrounded by the dark. She's a little confused. She gets up and like blows out the candles. It's still very light outside. She turns around. She's like, eh? I was born in the dark, but I'm honestly, sorry. We merely adopted it. This is moving really fast. And I like that. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I feel like, you know, post brunch doing it's always weird. So <laughs> how about after the thiefies? We can make it watch. Yeah, later, later. Once you get to, I mean, I, I got my championship. I know you have yours, but uh, stranger things have happened. I've learned. Sometimes betrayals can set you back. And I mean, you're Emily. What's she doing right now? She's not in this room. Oh, she's still working on the paperwork. Otherwise, she'll be off the side of the ship before we land. I bet she's working on that paperwork. Let's not follow up. Um, Smash, get to her (laughs) desperately working on paperwork. (laughs) Within within clear earshot of all of this. (laughs) So why don't we just enjoy this dinner and then we can enjoy each other later. After the thiefies. Yes. In theory, this is where the date would end. And you'd leave it as like, haha, we'll see you soon. But you're on an airship. Still floating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So what I'm going to try to do is like work my way around to finding out more about who may have sold out Bryn. You're finding that uh, she's not too forthcoming about that stuff now. Like it's one of those secrets that if it came up organically in conversation, you could grab it, but it's hard to like steer the conversation to. Well, I understand you have the secret of who assisted you last year, and I have the secret of how beautiful I am under this blurry mask. Perhaps we could trade. Seems fair to me, she says, kind of like looking at the beholder on your helmet, being like, I never like this. This has been a weird date. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies first. <laughs> she just leans forward and whispers into your helmet hole, Avalon Riker. Whoa. <laughs> Interesting. Fair is fair. Let's see the mug. Oh, I don't disagree. Uh, and I, 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 I take, uh, I slowly reach up. I take my helmet off and set it aside. And she sees like a blur of like 35 dudes faces and has no idea what it looks like underneath. And I take the necklace up and off. And as I lift it, my face turns into my normal face underneath. And I'm still clean shaven as shit. Cause like I am still deep in the darkness where I can't grow a beard. Uh, and I and I reveal it, and and somehow I'm even more handsome because I'm like damaged, like leading man in like a Tim Burton movie, <laughs> damaged God. in his early career, combined with like action movie jacked. This is the face of a man. This man, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she seems a little taken aback. She's like Reginald. No. Uh-oh. But you look exactly like Reginald. That's because I'm Bobbert. Tingler. Her jaw drops. Wait, so you're alive? Yeah. Lady Antebellum was convinced you were dead. Listen, I promised one secret. I feel like you're really... We're we're having like a fun back and forth. Okay, well, perhaps after the thiefies then, but this does make things interesting. And I slide the necklace back on. So we'll see each other again soon. And the ship kind of drifts back to the mirage. You disembark. The steward is like, "Uh, how was your trip, sir? It was fine, thanks. (laughs) Uh, Great. Uh, I gotta go back to my hotel room and talk to uh, my friend. Okay, bye. Bye, bye, thanks, bye. <laughs> so uh, you head back down. So Bryn and Pseudo Larry, you've arrived back in uh, the hotel room. Moments later, Bobbert shows up. Hi. Wait, two Larrys? Oh, I'm, I'm Alan again. Oh, the transformation happens right then. I'm like, yeah, this yeah. makes more sense than two Larrys. Uh, Alan, can I ta- ta- talk, talk to you for a second in like a, like a room? How was your date? I had a wonderful friend. friend. Alan, can I talk to you for a second about my date? Sorry, Bryn. He won't talk when you're here. You guys do this a lot. Listen, okay. I just want to talk to your manager. I open the door to my room uh, and I bring Alan in. Alan, I went 
for a nice friend lunch with Merle Streep. And it turns out she wants to, to, to do the intercourse with me. And I tried to push it off, but like, I'm gay. Okay. So I'm supposed to do it with a lady. Well, you don't have to. Why do you have to? We might need it for the mission. I'm sure there are ways we can work around this. Alan, how do you make love to a woman? I don't know. I've never made love to a woman before. (laughs) Or anyone for that matter. Could you teach me? (laughs) This episode of Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan LaPlante at the Ryan LaPlante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, our special guest, and our DM Tom McGee at McGeeTD on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. And Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at DelBorovic.com. Our theme songs are And Now for That Massive Coronary and Skipping Through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. All available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to Dum Dums and Dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at dumdumdice and on Facebook at facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more Dum Dums and Dragons. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish. The first thing you need to know about the Vegas Sci-Fi Adventure podcast is that you're not just listening to someone tell you a story. You are stepping into a world. And Vega Rex, the woman at the center of this saga, is currently sitting at the top of it. This is not by accident. For millennia, the country Vega calls home has been carefully honing the skills of its state-contracted killers, And these so-called holy warriors have gotten real good at taking down the world's worst criminals. Or, as they would call it, cleansing. 400 kills into her career, Vega is the most decorated hunter there has ever been. And likely would have stayed that way if it had not been for him. An explosive encounter with the terrorist sets Vega on a path of revenge that is so thoroughly illegal that before this story is done, she will have risked it all, life, limb, and love, to satisfy her vengeance and keep her record of righteous kills perfect. My name is Ivoma Okoro, and I have so much more to tell you about this. Check out Vega, a sci-fi adventure podcast anywhere you listen to them. Because baby, I'm just getting started.